said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, each from my tribes, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from where the priests, they stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lounge tonight. Then Joshua, he called those 12 men. He anointed them, each man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? It is then that you, you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It was passed over the Jordan. The waters were cut off completely. So these stones, these stones, they shall be the people of Israel a memorial forever. If these stones could talk, if these stones could talk, they would tell you about burning bushes and about holy ground and about I am revealing himself to Moses. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about a stuttering prophet negotiating with God not to do his will. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about that prophet being pushed into the presence of Pharaoh. To declare to him on behalf of I am, let my people go. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that Pharaoh's heart was so hard that it took plague upon plague upon plague for him to finally let go. If these stones would talk, they would tell you about rivers of blood, frogs and pestilence, darkness with no end. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about the firstborn male of everything in Egypt being killed. If these stones could talk, they would tell you, though, that the children of Israel were given a commandment to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over them. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that God loved the people of Israel and that he blessed them so much so that when they walked out of Egypt, they walked out with Egypt's stuff. These stones could talk, they would tell you about seas being parted and an entire nation of people walking through and their enemies drowned in the background. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about a cloud by day and fire by night. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about manna from heaven and quail. Yes, quail, the other white meat. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about a people who experienced the power of God in ways we could never imagine and still, and still looked at the manna that came from where they knew not and the quail that came from where they know not and said, man, this is hard out here. Can't we just go back to Egypt? If these stones could talk, they would tell you about smoke-filled mountains 
And Moses in the presence of the living God receiving the Ten Commandments. And while he's getting the Ten Commandments, the first of which is, you shall have no other gods before me. These same people who crossed through the Red Sea, who had the doorpost filled with blood and a death angel passed over. These same people making an idol, a golden calf, with the stuff that God gave them from Egypt. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that Moses broke the tablets because these people just couldn't get it. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that God is long-suffering. He's merciful, but he ain't stupid. <laughs> if these stones could talk, they would tell you <laughs> about 12 spies sent out sent out to look at the land that God had promised to his people. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land inhabited by giants and other nations. But a land that God had promised. And if these stones could talk, they would tell you that of the 10, that of the 12 that went, only two came back and said, we can do it. Because God said we could do it. And if these stones could talk, they would tell you that God ain't stupid. It would tell you that God took this entire generation of people and said, because of your hard-heartedness and your inability to obey and believe in me, you are going to take a journey that should have been 40 days and for every day you spent in spying, I'm going to give you a year in the wilderness. And everybody over the age of 20, except for you, Joshua, and you, Caleb, going to die. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that they came from the bottom of a river who was in the overflow of its season that parted for, for Joshua the same way the Red Sea parted for Moses. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that the children of Israel who came out of the wilderness, walked across the Jordan on dry land and crossed into the promised land. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that they were set up to be a remembrance of that history. But you know what? Stones don't talk. Stones can't speak. Stones don't cry out. Stones don't tell their children why they exist. Stones also don't disobey the stone maker. Stones also don't bow down and worship the other stones. No. If stones could talk, they would tell you, that's what you do. Let's pray. Lord, help us in this moment not to be self-righteous when we look at the children of Israel. It's so easy for us to look at Bible stories and believe that somehow we would have responded differently when the truth is, is if we're honest in our lives, you give us so many stones of memory and we just reject them. Me included. So tonight, God, as we, as we dive into this narrative and as we look into your word, just, just move all of us out of the way so that we can see clearly what you want from generation to generation. We thank you that you have revealed yourself through scripture. We thank you that you have revealed yourself in Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our comforter, our guide. 
for leading us into all understanding and wisdom through the word. I thank you for this gathering of people, these young people. And I pray that as the generation ahead, we will tell them the story of our stones and that they can pass that on so that the work of the kingdom can go on and go on and go on until that day when we are called to meet you in the air and we ain't got to deal with none of this mess no more. We love you so much for all that you do. And if you never do another thing for us, you've done enough in giving us the hope of glory and eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How y'all doing? Look, hey. hey. Is he hitting it? He said I got to take my dog tag off. It's my thing. Well, anyway, why he fixed this. Um, I'm really honored to be here with all of you and uh, to see so many young people who are taking a weekend out to focus on Jesus and focus on the gospel and the kingdom. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. I was given um, the topic, lest we forget. Um, it's been a joy for me to get to know Robert and Carrie and Ben and TC and um, to walk with them in, in, in the ministry. It's a beautiful ministry that God has given to you. And, and when I was first given this, I got to tell you, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting old. Because the older you get, the, the more you fall into the temptation of looking at the younger generations and saying, man, why can't they just get it together? What's that music y'all listening to? What are you wearing? This is not a dance. Like, what, like, 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 what are y'all doing? You know, and I started... I started thinking, I started thinking, man, like, what is it about us as people that keeps us from walking in obedience towards God generationally? And what can we learn from the children of Israel, right? Because they're a good test case for this. And I, and I want us to be fair with the children of Israel tonight. I don't want us to look at them and be like, y'all had the power of God coming down out of a mountain. Y'all stupid enough to complain? Because I don't know what manna tasted like, but some of us sit here after four days would have been like, oh, no, God. Hey, can you put some butter on this? Or can I, you know, can I, you know, can I get some syrup? Something. This ain't, this ain't hidden. Can I get a protein with this? Can we get a gluten-free version of the manna? You know, high key, high key. The text that I was given is Judges 2, 1 through 4. And the reason why I wanted to start with the account of Joshua and the 12 stones is because I find it so interesting that by the time we get to Judges, the angel of the Lord is laying down a sentence. And when I read this, I'm thinking to myself, what happened? Because at the end of Joshua 4, 1 through 9, it says, and these stones are still here to this day. What happened? At what point did the story of the stones go away or not be relevant? Judges 2, 1 through 4 says this, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bacham and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And, shall, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. 
Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side and their gods shall be a snare to you. And so it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. What you crying for? I know this is how we talk. What you crying for? He's giving you what he told you he was going to give you. So here's the question for me that I get out of this that I want all of us to explore tonight. Here's the question. Why do we forget? Why do we forget? Every single one of us has stones of memory in our lives. We have stones of memory. And stones of memory are nothing more than those points in our life where God showed up in a way that you knew it was God. Amen. Does anybody have a stone of memory in here tonight? Who has two stones of memory? Who has three stones of memory? Who has 12 stones of memory? So here's the question. Here's the question. If we have stones of memory, why do we forget? From the children of Israel, here's what we can learn. Number one, we forget simply because we don't choose to remember the wonderful things of God. First part of this passage, he said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers and said, I will never break my covenant to you. God told them, you are my covenant people. I love you. You know what's so jacked up about this story, even about the people dying in the wilderness before? Do you realize that they were scared of the people in the land. And when they got over there 40 years later, the people in the land told them, man, we've been scared of y'all for 40 years. <laughs> Why? Because we heard what your God did to the Egyptians. We forget because we simply, we just don't we, don't, we don't choose to remember. Like, the call to remember from God is not a preference. It's a commandment. And when God gives you a command, what do you do? You do what? You do what? Last time I checked, that's what you do with commands. So he says, Remember. And they fail to do that. How often do we? Number two, we forget because we yoke ourselves with people, places, and things that take our minds away from God. He says, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall tear down their altars. You realize these people got over into the land They wipe out all these people. They wipe out all these people. By the time they get to this next people, they say, you know what? We're just going to put y'all on the tribute. Basically, y'all can just pay us to stay here. God didn't tell you to do that. Do we have people, places, and things in our lives that lead us away from the story of the stones? Do we have people, places, and things in our lives that take us from seeing the goodness of God in our lives? Number three, we forget, and this is the most important one, because we don't choose to obey God. Matter of fact, the keynote can be done right there. We forget because we choose not to be obedient. 
Why have you done this? He says, you have not obeyed my voice. How many times do we hear the voice of God through his word, through his people? And we go our own way instead of listening. You see, when it all boils down, the story of the stones is really two words, trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Is it really that simple? Absolutely. Guess who complicates stuff? Us. God goes out of his way to lay out for us the path, the plan, the provision, the protection. And he says, the only thing I want you to do is to trust me and obey me. And if you do that, I'll bless you. But if you decide that you're going to be arrogant and knuckleheaded, then you got to deal with it. Because here's the truth. You have the freedom to choose, but you do not have the freedom to change the consequences of your choice. I'll say that again. You have the freedom to choose. But we don't get to change the consequence of the choice. Mm-hmm. So why the stones? Here's why we need stones of memory and why it's important to obey. Disobedience today has generational consequences. And the sins of the father will indeed visit the son. You see, because what comes later in Judges, next chap chapter, he, Joshua dies at 110 years old. Joshua dies and all of the elders that were with him died. And it says, and when that entire generation had gone, there rose a generation who knew not the story of the stones. So here's my question, and this is for the older generation. This is for me. Are we going to be that generation that when we die, we're lifting up? Our voices weeping because our disobedience has brought down a curse on generations that we won't see. We must obey God today for the sake of our children's children's children. Lest we forget and a generation rises up who does not know the story of the stones. You see, the stones are important. God calls us to do things, two things, set up stones of memory and tear down the altars of idols. Simple. See what we told him to do, get stones, set up these stones of memory, so that you don't forget what God has done. And when your children come to you, you tell them about what God has done and that you crossed over on dry land. Begs the question, did they stop telling the story? Were they living lives that made the children stop asking? Or maybe the children were asking, but the lies that they were living made it null and void for them to tell the story. How are you going to tell me about the God of Israel that brought you across the Jordan River and you worship in Baal? How are you going to tell me about the God who parted the Red Sea and you worship in Asherah? How are you going to tell me that I need to marry an Israelite when you marrying a Canaanite? One of the biggest knocks that people have on faith today is that people are hypocrites. 
And while that's interesting to say, because everybody's a hypocrite, even the person that's saying it. Real talk may be having a point sometimes. We don't want we don't want the story of the stones, which ain't about us. See, the story of the stones is about the goodness of God. It's about the power of God, the provision of God, the presence of God. We don't want that hijacked by our messed up lives, by our hypocrisy, by our arrogance, by our inability to be transparent and open with our children about who we used to be, but who God has brought us from. One of the phrases I hate the most is, well, child, you got to learn to forgive and that's a lie from the pits of hell. God didn't ever tell you to forget. You are intellectually and physiologically incapable of doing that unless something happens to you that gives you amnesia. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the, the pain that has happened in your life that, that, that people look at and say that can't possibly be a stone. The reason why you can't forget it is because God wants to change the way you remember it. And when God changes the way you remember it, that stone that was so heavy and that was a burden becomes a stepping stone. It becomes something that you tell your children, you say, baby, when I was a child, I was molested. When I was a child, my mama was on drugs. When I was a child, my parents abused me, but God, in his mercy, turned it into a stone. And every time I look at that stone, I don't see what the person did to me. I see God's deliverance. One of my favorite Bible stories is the story of Joseph, this young man favored by his father, hated by his brothers. A young man given visions and dreams. 17 years old, he gets this vision that my daddy is going to bow down. My brothers are going to bow down. He don't know what it means. His brothers are angry and jealous. His brothers are so angry and jealous that they decide we're going to kill him. I'm tired of the little runt coming out, telling on us, doing all this kind of stuff. We're going to kill him. Joseph got to go. <laughs> Joseph ends up in, his, in a pit. His brothers lie, tell his daddy that his son is dead, sell him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt, ends up in Potiphar's house. Goes from being just a slave to being over the house. Ain't God good? See, when you're walking with God, he can favor you no matter where you are. Just as he's settling into this new, man, I'm killing this job. The boss's wife say, come over here. I want to sleep with you. And let's be real about this story. Joseph was a young man, and Potiphar's wife probably wasn't ugly. <laughs> I hate how we make this story like, Joseph was just so strong. I'm sure he was, but it was such a temptation that the boy had to run. And I don't think he, anyway, it was such a temptation <laughs> that the boy had to run. So Joseph runs so fast, so fast, he ran out of there naked. He runs up out of his clothes. When the Bible says flee sexual immorality, picture Joseph. <laughs> running out of his clothes. Because Joseph said, I cannot sin against God. This boy ended up in prison for no reason. So he thought. While he's down there in prison, guess what? He ain't just another prisoner. This dude rise up again. Because that's what happened when you're favored by God and you're obedient. Like even when you're in a place that seems like it's a prison. 
he'll put you in charge of the prison. <laughs> and so do you see the stones just stacking up for Joseph? They're just stacking up for Joseph. And while he's in prison, two of Pharaoh's people get sent to prison. They have dreams. Well, guess what Joseph can do? He can interpret dreams. Tells, tells one of them, huh, your dream means you done. <laughs> tells the other one, you will be restored, the cupbearer. You're going to get your job back. Hey, man, but when you get up there, hey, tell, remember that I'm down here. <laughs> tell Pharaoh, holla at your boy. You know, I ain't do this in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, get a brother out. You know, clemency. <laughs> do you know Joseph sat in jail another three years? Right. Keep in mind, this whole time, he don't even still know what his dream mean. Do you see the stones? Are you seeing the stones? And finally, in God's appointed time, Pharaoh has a dream. Guess what the cupbearer remembers? I don't know if he's still down there, but it's a Hebrew down in the prison. I don't know if he's still there. Because <laughs> it's been three years. We go through folk down here. You know, you, you kill them, you know. So they go down and get Joseph, and Pharaoh says, I heard you can interpret your, my, my dream. He said, no, I can't. But I know someone who can. Joseph interprets the dream. He becomes second to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. And guess what happens then? A famine hits the land. See, that was part of the dream. You're going to have seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So guess who has to come to see Joseph? Because of the brothers. They don't know it's Joseph. So Joseph sees his brothers as they're coming. Real talk. If it was me, I would have been like, oh, yes. Because <laughs> guess what? What was the first thing his brothers did when they came into his presence? Oh, that's the dream. I would have been like, oh, that's it right there. <laughs> Y'all can be dead. Hey, kill him. Because y'all treated me like nothing. And I was your brother. You sold me into a life that was hell and you didn't even care. But God, in his mercy, reveals to Joseph, after he played with him a little bit, which I love, right? So, so, jo so Joseph played with him a little bit, make him think they stole something, like bring your brother back. And when they come back a second time, he says, do you not see I'm your brother Joseph? And they got real scared. <laughs> because they remember the stones. But God doesn't cause us to forget. He changes the way we remember. And Joseph looks at his brothers and says, fear not what you meant for evil. God meant for good. The reason why you share the story of your stones is because what Satan meant for evil, God means for good. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There is nothing that has happened or will happen in your life that God cannot redeem. And you know what I love about that story? Now, this is biblical conjecture. This is not a spirit. I'm not saying that this is what it is. But I find it, I, I, I'd like to think that in the moment when Joseph said that to his brothers, he finally got the interpretation of his own dream. My brothers would bow down before me, but it wasn't because of me. You say, Brian, why are you telling us a story about Joseph? I thought we were talking about Joshua and the children of Israel. Well, where'd the nation come from? You see, how did all those people get to Egypt? 
they got to Egypt because God providentially working to do these things. And then there rose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph and oppressed the Israelite people. It's so interesting. There arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And then within two generations, there arose a people of the children of Israel who did not know the mighty power and workings of God. You realize you are one generation away all the time. One generation away all the time. And we must not forget the story of the stones. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your story is. But uh, if these stones could talk about me, they, they would talk about a boy at five years old who was exposed to pornography at five and who was messed up for the rest of his life, right? If, if, if these stones could talk about Brian, they would tell you about a sincere young man who gave his life to the Lord at eight years old, but who wasn't discipled. If these stones could talk, they would tell you that as much as that eight-year-old and nine-year-old and 10-year-old wanted to serve God without being discipled, he was just the prey of the devil. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about that eight-year-old becoming a 15-year-old losing his virginity. If these stones could talk, they would tell you about how all of those things turned this young man into somebody who was very deceitful and deceptive, who could lead worship on Sunday. And nobody know that I was broken. Completely. If these stones could talk, man. They would tell you of an 18 year old going off to college and being more influenced by the world than being an influence on it. If these stones could talk, they would tell you of a guy who was driven by blind ambition to be the best artist on the planet, but couldn't even be an effective son of God. You know, if if, if they could talk, man, if these stones could talk, they would tell you about a 20-year-old who was basically living with his girlfriend in Virginia with his parents not knowing, halfway engaged. Yoking himself with unbelievers, not for the sake of God, but for the sake of self and pleasure. You know, if, if, if these stones could talk, they would tell you, they would tell you that the brokenness of this young man got so bad, so quick, that I found myself in New York laying in a bed of harlotry with someone that I knew I could not marry and begging God save me because I'm sinning and I can't stop and this is the scariest thing that had ever happened to me in my life when the Holy Spirit is telling you you wrong and you can't stop how dare I judge the children of Israel And so, see, it's real easy when you look at these stones, you see all the stuff that I just said. The brokenness, 
pornography addiction, fornication, deceitfulness, lying, using my God-gifted anointing and talents, not to lead people to Jesus, but to lead them into a bed. And when you just look at them on the, on the, on the surface, you say, dude, that's a jacked up story. But let me tell you, when I see these stones now, I see that 21-year-old guy who was brought to repentance, who the Holy Spirit convicted, who then six months later met the woman who would change my life forever. If these stones would talk, though, they would tell you that the difference was when I decided to trust and You see, the story of the stones means nothing because the truth is that stones don't talk. Yet Jesus said, I could make the rocks cry out, but I'd rather you give me worship. I could make the mountains sing my glory, but I would rather you do it. And so when I look at these stones and I ask you the question, where are your stones? I think of the words of Peter. Because the truth is, is, yeah, this is a cool analogy. We got some rocks up here. In the Old Testament, it was, it was commonplace for them to build up altars, memorials to the Lord. But I hear Peter saying, but now you coming to him as lively stones being built up into a spiritual house. The truth is, is that I don't need these stones. Because of the grace of God, I am a stone. I'm a walking stone of memory. And when people see me, they should see the grace of God evident in every aspect of my life. And I can tell them that even though I may be jagged around the edges, I'm smooth on the inside. <laughs> and then Peter says in that, he goes on to say in that passage, that we're being built up a spiritual house and we are coming to the chief cornerstone, being built up on the chief cornerstone, the stone with the, which the builders rejected. Jesus Christ came and he showed us what it looked like to trust and He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he lowered himself, taking on the form of a servant, being obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus stands as the true stone of memory. And we should be living epistles read of men. Living stones. Built on the stone which the builders rejected. A spiritual house a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. Do you realize that? Do you realize that in the story of Joshua, that only the priest and certain people could get close to the ark of God without dying? But guess what? We get to enter into the holy of holies through the veil of Christ's body. We get to have one-on-one -on -one talks with Abba Father. 
I don't need a priest praying on my behalf. Now, if you want to intercess for me, that's cool. Because my wife will tell you I need all the prayer I can get. But when you got the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, when you got the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 says, we don't even know how to pray as we ought to. So the Spirit speaks to God on our behalf. Here's what I'm telling you. Just as the children of Israel were without excuse for their disobedience and their lack of trust, we here today are without excuse. God has perfectly revealed himself through his word. He has fully revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And I don't know where you stand in that conversation today. But if you're here and you do not know Jesus, if your stones of suffering and toil and, tri and, and trial have not been turned into stones of beautiful memory, if you are not yet a, a living stone, don't leave here. Do not leave this place without getting that right. And it ain't rocket science. Jesus Christ is Lord. And he proved it. Peter on the day of Pentecost says, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. Look at the miracles he did. Look at the prophecies he fulfilled. He's the one. He's the Messiah. And the people were cut to the heart. They were convicted by the truth of who Jesus is. Said, what do we do? What do we do? Obey. <laughs> Trust and obey. Repent. Turn away from the mess and turn towards the bless. Turn away from idolatry and turn toward the true God. Turn away from evil nations and turn toward the people of God. Agree with God about your sin. You ain't fooling him. Agree with him that the things that I'm doing are wrong. I agree with you, God. And then be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And when you do that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. Everybody. I don't want to be the generation that looks up weeping because my disobedience led y'all astray. I want to be a part of a generation that can say the promise that was to this generation and the next generation and the next generation was fulfilled and the kingdom spread and the glory of God was shown. Lest we forget, lest we forget that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that parts seas, is the same God that died on the cross for our sins. He's the same God that loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I don't know about you, but when I came to God, I was a hot mess. And even after I came to God, I was a hot mess. And at 38 years old, I'm just not realizing, Lord, thank you for just working with me through my mess.
So I want to encourage us as older people, too, to just when we when we see our young people, just remember we was 19. And when I was 19, I was a hot mess. Not just a mess. I was a hot mess. But we're not called to make you perfect. We're called to keep you in remembrance. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. The call for us is not to keep each other perfect. It's to keep one another in remembrance of the wonderful and wondrous things that God has done, is doing, and is going to do. And one day, just like we're gathering here, without buildings, we're going to be in this presence of God. I want as many people as possible to be able to experience that party. Because that's the one you don't want to miss. When we forever sing and worship and enjoy his presence with all purity. Let's pray. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. There are people here right now who are struggling in their faith and who are struggling with the stones in their lives. And maybe they haven't become the type of memory stones that you want them to have. And, and Lord, we pray that this weekend can be a renewal of that. Lord, I pray for those who don't have those memory stones yet, those who have not put you on in baptism through faith. I pray that something could be said, something can be shown from anybody that will lead them to trust and obey you this weekend. As we go throughout this weekend, the rest of this weekend, let, let the words and the fellowship just, just, just marinate over us and remind us of just how good you are and how faithful you are. Thank you for not taking us out of this world while we were still in our sins. Thank you for saving me. Even when in my actions it seemed like I didn't want to be saved. Thank you for sending people into my life at just the right time to speak just the right word. Do that for these generations. Help us all to trust you and obey you all the more as we see your return approaching. We love you so much. And we thank you in the blessed name of Jesus. We pray and the whole church said, amen. amen.